We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for October 12, 2014. And um, today the study is pretty much exclusively going to be devoted to Ebola, the um, this new intro virus that we're seeing crop up in America, the and how that relates to potentially to the illegal aliens that they're letting pour across the border with all types of, of uh, diseases, and also ISIS as well. And um, we're going to be looking at a lot of different facets of this today. It's a particularly horrific study um, as far as the information goes, so I'm just kind of kind of like giving you a heads up there. Um, and I think it's good to try to biblically balance these types of, of studies. Uh <clears throat> with scripture, with the word of God, to give us perspective, uh, because, again, these are very much so doom and gloom type of scenarios that we could potentially be in the midst of uh, pretty quickly. And um, we need to keep our eyes fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ and his word, to temper all of that. Because if we start looking at the situation, what happens to our faith? Well, it dwindles by the second, essentially. Our faith in the Lord Jesus, if we're just fixed on the situation, and we're fixed on saving our own skin, and, and, and just, even, I mean, even if you're thinking about your family, if you're fixed on a situation where it's this doom and gloom scenario, forced vaccinations, carting you off to concentration camp, that type of mindset, well, faith pretty much goes out the door pretty quickly. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So, it's very important that we maintain faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, in his word, put on the full armor of God every day, pray, don't neglect those things, and, um, Try to, like, have balance with all the negative stuff. And I'm one to talk, I know, because pretty much all my studies are beyond negative. But I do try, and I'm not saying I've done it successfully, but I do try to balance things out with Scripture. There's other people reporting on this. Some of them aren't even Christians, obviously, in the alternative health care. And, you know, it's just all man-centered. Every bit of, of the... Um, of the uh, response to this is purely man-centered, meaning what can I do about it? what can me or what thing can I implement? And then you could say, well, you're a hypocrite because you talk about the colloidal silver and you talk about vitamin C and the selenium. Well, these are things that, that you know, the Lord did put here. And um, I understand the way colloidal silver is made today is, is a man-made product, but he gave us the ability in the brains to figure that out. And these are proactive things. The Bible does say the prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, and the simple pass on and are punished, and, and to prepare for things that are coming when you see disaster upon the horizon, and to store up in the um, summer like the ant does, so he has food in the winter, and, and that a man that provideth not for his own house is worse than an infidel and has denied the faith. So we have these other verses. So again, I'm always trying to get back to biblical balance here. Let's have biblical balance. Let's not just go off on... 
one off the deep end in one area and, and, and go crazy. And, and I think it's good to have balance. And who knows, the, the things that you're doing as far as the preps that you're doing may be used, they might not even be used on you. You don't know how the Lord could possibly maybe intervene in that, you know, maybe it does good in some other person's life. And maybe that that is, is a way that they end up getting saved, that type of thing. Um, so, could be for that purpose as well. So, I think a really good, uh, just psalm to key on regarding this whole scenario is Psalm 91, obviously, and it speaks specifically to plagues and pestilences, and, um, praying it, preferably memorizing it, is something that will, will, um, the Bible talks about like building up your inner man, the, the, the Holy Spirit, increasing your faith, uh, keeping your eyes fixed where they need to be fixed. And um, I just think it's super important to do that. And there are alternative healthcare uh, information, whether it be audio or, or in print, Obviously, uh, most of them are not going to emphasize that whatsoever. Everything is going to be, what can you do? What can you do to escape? What can you do to... Well, the Lord knows our situation. He knows our finances. He knows all of that. He's perfectly capable of protecting you in any um, scenario that you might be facing. You may not have the resources to be able to do hardly anything that I've, I've recommended. You know what? The Lord Jesus Christ is still on the throne. He created the universe, and that's what I always keep going back to, and what I want my listeners to always keep remembering in their mind. And and I'm not, um, I mean, this happens to me all the time as well. I'm immersed in this negativity, researching this stuff, day in, day out, for the last, since 06, essentially. And I've got to be really super careful that I don't fall into that that negative mindset. I mean, of, of anybody's going to be prone to it, I'm going to be because you know I have I am so immersed in this, and it literally is you know my job, my ministry, my my the the thing that the Lord's having me do. So um, I say this to myself as much as I would say it to anyone else. Not like I'm up here all high and mighty, Mister whatever, man of faith, and I've got it all figured out, and none of this ever gets to me, because I'm not, listen, I'm, I'm human, I'm like anyone else, I'm not, apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm nothing. So, I don't want to say it in any kind of sanctimonious, holier-than-thou, high and mighty way at all, I just, I'm trying to do it to, to, um, say that to build up our faith. And so, the Bible says in Psalm 91, and I'm just going to read to verse 12, uh, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. So a lot of us are worried about where are we going to go? Where are we going to bug out to? What are we going to do? And remembering that the Lord is actually our refuge and our fortress. You could be in theoretically a really bad place, from a physical location standpoint. I know I am. And that could be the perfect place that God wants you for this coming crisis. I don't know. 
we're all different. It's not like cookie cutter and God's going to have us all do the same thing or God might bring us all through the same type of scenario. It's hard to say. Um, but he is capable of protecting you wherever you are. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. And whenever you think of pestilence, you think of like what we're, what's on the horizon here with all the stuff that we're going to be talking about today. Ebola and the antivirus and all of this. Just these plagues and pestilences that just seem to be just, you know, going bonkers. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shall thou trust. He's literally shielding you, in other words. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt, And what is his truth? Thy word is truth. That's what the Bible says. Thy word, the word of God, is truth. The sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. It's the only offensive weapon in the... Um, Armor of God. It's the only offensive weapon that you you have. The Word of God. And that's why Jesus dealt with Satan by quoting Scripture to him. He didn't do anything but quote Scripture when he was dealing with Satan. So, uh, Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day. What, What we need to have is the fear of God, not the fear of man. The fear of man bringeth a snare. Okay, and um, and it's, it's funny, in verse 3 it says, Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler. Somebody that's walking around in a lot of fear of man, or fear of the situation, trembling of whatever may be coming, you are going to be susceptible to be snared. The Bible talks about perfect love casting out fear. Okay, the perfect love of God, essentially. Um... So, the snare of the fowler. You're much more prone to fall into the snare of the fowler when you're operating in the fear of man or the fear of this situation that you're that you're in. So, I, I guess that's the point I, I'm trying to make here with that. So, whereas the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, understanding, knowledge, the angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him and delivereth them. That all, that's all good. <laughs> you know. The Bible says, What time I am afraid I will trust in thee. Psalm 56.3. Which rhymes, which makes that one really super easy to memorize. What time I am afraid I will trust in thee. Psalm 56.3. So, these are good verses, again, to really commit to memorization. So, um, Nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness nor for the destruction that wasteth at new day. Now, pe- there's pestilences is mentioned again there in verse 6. It was mentioned first in verse 3, now in verse 6. Pestilence that walketh in darkness. It's kind of funny because Ebola, when it's exposed to sunlight, UV light, it kills it. But in darkness, it can, it can breed better. Also in colder weather which is what we're going into. Um, but Ebola, yeah, I mean, it, UV kills it. UV light. So, in this particular case, this pestilence would tend to much more walk in darkness. Because there's no UV light to kill it. Um, nor for the destruction that wasted at noonday, 
a thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes. In other words, a, a, a thousand might fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it's not going to come near you. What was it just talking about? Well, the pestilence that walketh in darkness, destruction, the waste of the noonday arrow that flieth. I mean, these are all different ways that one could perish. And um, saying it shall not come nigh thee. But you might have a ton of people around you potentially dying. Uh, and then it goes on to say, Only with thine eyes shall thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. So what that implies is that the people that would fall around you are wicked. I'm not saying it would always have to, 100% cookie cutter, have to be that way. But it does imply that, that a thousand falling at thy right hand, ten thousand at thy right hand, you know, shall not come nigh thee, but only with thine eyes shall thou behold and see, see the reward of the wicked. Well, I mean, if they were fall, if ten, if a thousand were falling at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, you would see that with your own eyes. You know, you would see the reward of the wicked. I mean, the wicked go astray from the womb. They speak lies as soon as they be born. These are literally vessels of wrath fitted or prepared ahead of time for God's destruction, as the Bible talks about in um, Romans and elsewhere. So, I've talked a lot about that whole scenario. Then it goes on to say, Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation... And there, and there that, again, that, that implies, making him our habitation implies what verse 2 talks about. He is my refuge and my fortress, dwelling in him, dwelling in his word, in, in prayer. That It implies that. Um, there shall no evil befall thee. So, if you've made the Lord your refuge... In your habitation, there there shall no, no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. So there's another um, very similar statement about pestilence, plague, which we could obviously say bull is a plague. Neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. So in other words, God, it, it, whether you you could literally potentially have nothing in place. I'm not recommending that. I'm just saying theoretically. You could have nothing in place as a safeguard for Ebola. And God's perfectly capable of protecting you. Perfectly. It does not matter. He did create the universe. You know? He is going to cast Satan, the Antichrist, the false prophet, all the devils and demons and fallen angels into the lake of fire when this is all said and done. They are going to lose, and all the wicked people, they are going to lose, and they are going to lose forever and ever. That's the way this whole thing turns out. I mean, that's just the reality. So we have to also look at big picture. Not just focus in on, oh no, Ebola's coming, oh man, we're all going to die. No, no, no. Focus on the big picture. Focus on such as time as this, why you were born for. Why God created you. I'm here to build up your faith. I'm not here to tear down. I don't want to stand before God and have him tell me, well, you destroyed the faith of all of these people because all you were ever talking about was doom and gloom and you never actually gave the opposite side of 
Who's really in control? Who's really capable of protecting you? Re- regardless of, of, of nutritional status, regardless of what safeguards you might have in place. Again, I'm trying to bring us into balance. I'm not saying the other things are bad. Obviously, I've promoted them over and over. I'm trying to give you body, soul, and spirit, biblically balanced everything to equip you for what's coming. So, going further. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ for that. The angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him and delivereth them. There's another verse, you know, I quoted that earlier, but um, fear of the Lord's tied in with this. If you look at fear of the Lord in the Bible, it is, it is. There's more blessings connected with the fear of the Lord than just about any other thing I can do. Like you could do a keyword search for. You know, there. Really, I mean, really, there's not a whole lot more connected to blessings of a person than fear of the Lord. What is fear of the Lord? What is the natural byproduct of fear of the Lord? Humility. Humility. Not pride. Not sanctimonious arrogance and being a hypocritical Christian that thinks you're better than everyone. Considering the pit from whence you were dug and never forgetting that. Knowing that apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, you're nothing. And me being at the top of the list, I would say that I'm at the top of that list. I am nothing apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want to be anything apart from him. And I wouldn't be, even if I wanted to be. (laughs) So, humility is so important. And being a servant, let them that are greatest among you, let him be your servant. A servant's heart. He that shall be last shall be first in the kingdom of heaven. I mean, many that are last here on earth shall be first in the kingdom of heaven. So that's important to remember. Putting people ahead of you. You know? Being humble. Not just before God, but to other people. The Lord loves the meek and the humble. That, the meekness and humility are one of the... Two of the... Well, really... They're tied together. One of the only things that you could do in the in the Bible that I've ever been able to identify that actually pleases God, that literally, because he's perfect, let's face it, he's perfect. Sinless perfection. His standards are not like what our standards are. Well, that should please God. Well, you know, you're not God. So what you think should please God might not even please him. Because he knows our heart. But humility and meekness in these types of things, the Bible even says, to this man will I look, to of him that's a contrite spirit and and, and trembleth at my word, and, and meek, and before me, you know. doesn't Meek doesn't mean weak either, like you go around and, and you're some little spineless, jelly-like, jellyfish-like creature. That doesn't mean that. Moses was, I believe, the meekest man on earth, according to God, but he had a really bad temper, you know. So much so that he, that he murdered, you know, and I'm not judging Moses, okay. I'm just saying that, you know, all of these things relate to one another. And I believe all of these things end up relating to what we're talking about here. You know, humility is just so important. And um, being thankful. Being thankful. So important. Every day, just pray. It doesn't matter how dark it looks. 
every day getting up and getting on your knees and just thanking the Lord Jesus Christ for the for the life you've had. I mean, I tell the Lord, I'm like, Lord, if my life ended today and, and some horrific chapter started in my life, worst case scenario of what you could ever even imagine, how could I still be mad? You've given me all of these years where you've where I've been, you know, blessed and, and had, you know, this life and, and I know there's there's people that haven't even had that. You know, near. But just being thankful is so important. When you look at Romans one, the first thing where it talks about where it ends up talking about men burning after men and women burning after women and, and you know the first thing it says where that progression started is it says neither were they thankful. And then it goes on to talk about, you know, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Well, what is that? That's pride. Pride is the opposite of humility. So, somebody who's proud is not going to receive a teaching like this. They're not going to, it's not going to have no appeal to them whatsoever. They're going to think they have it all figured out anyway. They're going to be, pride blinds you. Did it to Satan. Did it to Lucifer when he was called Lucifer. Pride blinded him. Because of his beauty and because of his merchandise, the Bible says he was lifted up. His heart was lifted up. And he said, I will ascend unto the sides of the north. I will be like the Most High. I mean, that's really delusional. You think you're going to oust the Lord Jesus Christ, Father God, off the throne? You really think you've got what it takes to do that? Man, you've got to really be... Blinded by pride to be that delusional. That's what pride does to anyone, though. Makes them delusional. Makes them blind. They don't see. So, anyway, let's go further. So he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Now, I've done a whole bunch of teachings kind of on the subject, um, relating subjects, um, imprecatory prayer, Psalm 64, God's judgment on wickedness, a Christian's door of hope, really important teaching, you'll rarely ever hear that, the stuff I get into there, kind of older, I think it's from like 2007, but I give you the link here, it's going to be on the first page of the, well, first or second page of the PDF, once they add the table of contents in, it'll probably be second, uh, for October 12th. 2014 at contendingfortruth.com. And then I've also done a teaching called Overcoming Protection, Meekness, Answered Prayer, Faith, Fear of the Lord, Part 1 and 2, where I get into these subjects in much more depth, give you that link. And the PDF links are with the teachings. I, I even posted some of them here. And then also, Biblical Keys to Deliverance and Protection. Sorry about that ringing. My, my fries were done. <laughs> Sorry. No, just kidding. Kidding. Teasing. In there. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, Biblical Keys to Deliverance and Protection, Part 1 and 2. And um, so a lot of the, uh, any other questions that you might have about these subjects, I would say avail yourself to these three different teachings, because I'm probably going to cover it in them. Okay, so let's get on to the matters of at hand today. And obviously, you've probably seen this, Texas nurse test positive for Ebola, uh, first Ebola transmission in the U.S. Well, okay, I don't believe that at all, but this is what they're admitting to. Oh, and coincidentally, last week, 
I didn't say this last week, okay, because I, I really wasn't, I was not sure about the whole thing about uh, if this was true, but when Mr. Duncan died, uh, I don't know, whatever it was, how many days, three or four days ago, the the uh, gentleman that, that contracted it in Africa, brought it back here, was in the Texas hospital. When he died, two, three, four days ago, the Israeli, um, it, and it's not some scam site, it was, it was a legitimate Israeli uh, online internet news service, had already said he's been dead since literally the last time I did the teaching, which was like, I think it happened last Sunday. They said he was dead, literally three to four days before the press announced it. They said they got the news from Reuters. I checked Reuters, it wasn't on there, so I didn't report on it last week. But I, but it just so happens that three to four days after this comes out, he dies, for real. Now, I think he was already dead, I just don't think they were ready to say it. I think Reuters leaked something, they got a hold of it, they put it out, and then Reuters retracted it for the next three to four days. That's what I think happened. But at the time, I wanted to err on the side of safety and say, ah, I don't want to say anything about this. I'm just not sure, you know. So, let's go further here. I'm just going to play that a nurse was involved in Duncan's second visit to the hospital, Mr. Duncan, he was when he was admitted for treatment. And, he, and was wearing, this nurse was wearing protective gear as prescribed by the CDC. Gown, gloves, mask, and shield. Which is more then obviously most of us would do if we went out in public or, you know, most of us would not do all of that. I mean, some of us may, but but most of us probably wouldn't even have access to those things. Um, and uh, I, I do advise those things as well. I mean, it's, it's, it's better to err on the side of safety here. So I'm just going to play this brief um, report that just came out today on this. Late last uh, Saturday evening, a preliminary blood test on a caregiver at Texas Health Presbyterian Hospital, Dallas, proved positive for Ebola. Uh, this healthcare worker had been under the self-monitoring regimen prescribed by the CDC, and based on involvement in caring for the patient, Thomas Eric Duncan, during his care that started on September 28th. Now, individuals who are being uh, monitored are required to take their temperatures twice daily, and as a result of that process, the caregiver notified the hospital of imminent arrival and was immediately admitted to the hospital's isolation room. The entire process, from the patient's self-monitoring to the admission into isolation, took less than 90 minutes. The patient's condition is stable. A close contact has also been proactively placed in isolation. The caregiver and the family, as already stated, have requested total privacy, so we can't discuss any further details of the situation. We heard about this around midnight and have been working uh, throughout the morning to make sure that citizens of Dallas are safe when they wake up. I believe I can say they are. Can you say if this person was wearing protective gear when they came into contact? They were. They were wearing They were. It's got to be scary for workers that have followed the CDC guidelines for them to still get infected. How are you assuring people that... So I, I don't know if you heard that. He says it's got to be scarier for for the workers that are going by CDC guidelines 
and they're still getting infected. How how do you handle that? You know, and and they may bring up a good point. I mean, this is a lady that was not exposed to this man for one minute, not wearing. And I'm not saying she was wearing some like level four biocontainment positive pressure suit, but still, I thought that you know you had to have direct contact with bodily fluids to get it. How did she get it wearing full protective gear, you know? Well, most likely it's because it's airborne, like we've been saying. Like they have so much as admitted to, although they don't want to admit it in the... So, again, this is more confirmation of that. We're still confident uh, that the precautions that we have in place will protect our healthcare workers. We don't... How could they still be confident? This is one guy. And and it's it's and she was wearing the protective gear and she got it. How could they still have any confidence in what they're doing? Have a, a full analysis of all of the care we're going through that right now uh, to try to understand specific elements of who came in contact uh, with Mr. Duncan around what circumstances on what day, etc. Uh, but we are confident that the precautions we have in place right now are protecting our healthcare workers. What a joke that is. Confident. Yeah, right. So, anyway, I, I wanted to play that because that just broke today. And before I go further, we're going to get into a couple things that... Um, now, what I'm doing on these teachings is I'm getting into... I don't want to keep rehashing the same things I've went over uh, regarding things that we can do proactively. If you want to know, you know what I've what I've suggested there, you're going to really have to re-listen to my teachings because I I will cover different things in different teachings, and um, I want to cover a little bit on bleach today, and another substance that can be used. So, uh, bleach is a friend in this Ebola fight. Now, this is the link will actually take you to a CNN report. I'm not going to play that where the lady's over there and she said that. You see buckets with diluted bleach everywhere you go in these Ebola-infected areas, and people are washing their hands with that in order to... And, and I do think it, it does appear that that is a pretty effective tool for killing Ebola. Obviously, if it's airborne, that's not going to do anything for you. But from a, from a um, transmission via human touch, it could be a real lifesaver. So... I tried to do some research on this because it wasn't very forthcoming, and this is what I was able to, to kind of come up with. Um, as for a pressure washer spray, now pressure washers is ridiculous. You want to use one of the um, uh, uh, the the uh, go to like the um, I don't know local hardware store and buy one of the, the sprayers you'd spray for bugs with, and um, you could make a solution like this of um, 5.25 household bleach, just that, at a rate of 10 to 1. That's what I've seen um, from a couple different reports is is the ratio to use. A tense, meaning one part bleach, 10 part water. Okay? Um, And um, this is, they're saying that if you've been exposed to at least 10 minutes, you'd want to use that ratio. And then that would effectively kill the virus. Mixing, making a mixture of bleach and water will provide only the disinfectant portion, not the detergent base. Therefore, a two-step process may be needed if cleaning is performed 
um, with a disinfection. So, in other words, if you had a surface that had been potentially contaminated with Ebola, you could spray it with the bleach solution, let that soak in at least 10 minutes, and then um, use detergent later, you know, to actually get up whatever was there once it's been killed. If, if, uh, if a bleach and water mixture is used, um, is made, use only chlorine bleach without the scent additive, as the scent will reduce the result in parts per million of available chlorine. You hear me talk a lot about parts per million on the colloidal silver. The Vive makes the 5,000 ppm, parts per million. Well, this the scent, if you get a scented bleach, it's going to reduce the parts per million of the chlorine. It's not going to be as effective. It's not going to be as strong. And there is a difference between what they call germicidal bleach, which is 6.15%, to laundry bleach, which is 6.0%, to discounted bleach, which is 525 But what they were saying here is they they were using discounted bleach at a 1 to 10 ratio in, in a sprayer. Or spray bottle. Sprayer, spray bottle. Um, now, you heard me talk like last week about the um, the shield blend and how to make your own personal, healthy disinfectant, okay? Well, the problem with that is that that's not really practical for large surfaces, you know what I mean? Because if you have to cover a lot of area, let's say a whole area had been exposed, a whole swath of, let's say, tile floor, you're, you're the with the shield blend, <laughs> I mean, unless you got a ton of that stuff, you're going to have a really rough time covering that. And then also the the whole thing if it's if it's in an enclosed space the um, the um, ozonators the aerinators the 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 produced aerin which is really o four o five o six in the air these are ways you can disinfect the air and surfaces as well uh, so that that is something to you know seriously think about I use the royal air purifiers. But not to say that, I mean, I know Alpine are good, and there's other ones that are also good. Now, they've also got personal um, uh, ozonators that you wear around your neck. You might have seen people on flights with those. If you had a situation where you had to go out in public, and you were wearing, let's say, an N100 mask with some eye protection, and uh, you had one of those going, that would be one extra level of protection. The per, and they're not super expensive. The problem you're going to run into now is that people are buying up this stuff like crazy. And, um, you know, getting some type of chemical protection suit, getting the, the boots that they recommend or the boot covers they recommend that go along with that, getting a, let's say you want to do a full um, gas mask with an NBC filter, which stands for nuclear biological chemical. Those are the kind of filters you want to get. Because you're gonna you're gonna be able to have a filter there that's gonna be capable of going up against about anything you could see. Biological in this case is the one thing you have to worry about. Uh, obviously, a full face mask with a, with a gasket to your skin, a rubber gasket to your skin, is way better than wearing goggles and, a, and an N100 or an N95 um, mask. Okay, I'm just talking about what's like good, better, best type of scenario. Um, and I had talked about approvedgasmasks.com. That was a good site. But, I, you know, I don't know what their inventory is now. Um, you might have to resort to uh, eBay 
or Amazon, and, and I don't like using Amazon especially, but um, if you're kind of late to the party and you're just hearing this for the first time, these are some things to think about. Uh, you can reference my the study I did last week, and I, and I uh, at the end of the, the PDF we put out all of the recommendations essentially. These two recommendations that I'm doing right now, I'm I have actually added into that, and that's why I'm covering them today. So these are just some things to think about, practical things that really aren't going to break the bank here. Bleach is not going to break the the bank. Uh, a, a sprayer is not going to break the bank. You know that type of stuff. And so let's go further. A contact time of one minute for the bleach and water solution should provide adequate disinfection for non-porous surfaces. So if it was a porous surface, you'd want to let it sit on there more than one minute. Now, these are the questions that I had in my head about, okay, it's all one thing to say bleach, but how do we use it? What dilution ratio? How long do we have to let it sit? That type of stuff, you know. So, I guess if it was a porous surface, you'd probably want to say, I don't know, three to five minutes. Um, so, then it goes to say, this is accomplished by a thorough wetting of the surface with the bleach solution and then allowing it to air dry. Okay. Um, providing for the appropriate disinfectant contact time. So don't think that if you spray this on something, if you were using that, that it's instantly sanitized. Okay? It's not. Bare minimum of one minute. Okay? So, so providing for the appropriate disinfectant contact time, which refers to the amount of time necessary for the germicide to come in contact with the organism and result in a significant reduction in the number of microorganisms is a critical step in the disinfection protocol. So I got that right off of one of those official whiz-bang websites that were specifically talking about how to use this stuff. And so what I did is I took out all of the other non-essential stuff and I just I just left in what we needed, which is what I just covered there. So that ought to bring you up to speed on the bleach aspect of it. Now, another thing that I think I mentioned briefly in a previous study that I, I heard about on the Potter blog, I've played many of their videos, he talks about a substance called chlorhexidine gluconate. Uh, it also talks about hand sanitizers and surgical gloves and Ebola protection. Now I'm just going to do a little section on that now. Regarding Ebola, a wise risk mitigation action would be a near full-time use of surgical gloves combined with the frequent use of hand sanitizer on those gloves. Note that using hand sanitizer directly on skin could result in skin disruption slash drying which could increase the risks of infection with Ebola if exposed. Meaning, if you used hand sanitizer all the time, dried your hands out to the point they started to crack, now you actually got open access points for the Ebola to go right in your body. That's the point they're trying to make there. I don't ever use hand sanitizer. I use the stuff like you're, I'm talking about here, with the shield blend and stuff like that. Uh, try to use essential oils, natural stuff. But I don't have any problem using hand sanitizer on a surgical glove. The thing that bothers me a lot about hand sanitizers is you're taking a liquid, and I understand they're saying it's evaporating, but you're taking this really viscous liquid, putting it on your hands, and it's gone in like seconds. I'm like, well, did that all go into the ether? You're telling me none of that absorbed into your body? I don't believe it. Skin is a very absorptive um, 
it's actually considered the largest organ of the body. Okay? And it's, it's highly... You can absorb stuff through your skin very easily. Okay? That's why when you take an Epsom salt bath, to prove a point here, take a hot Epsom salt bath. Notice how you feel like you're a bowl full of jelly in like about very shortly after getting into the Epsom salt bath. Why is that? Because the Epsom salts are magnesium, essentially, a form of magnesium that absorbs in through the skin. Magnesium relaxes you. And I mean, you really, I mean, if you ever have a trouble getting to sleep, it's the problem is it's not really practical to do before sleep every night unless you got that extra time. But I mean, you typically sleep like a baby after an Epsom salt bath. You're going to probably have a tendency to want to go to sleep in the bathtub, which could be kind of hazardous if you, you know, drowned, something like that. Um, so, yeah, you got to be a little careful there. But there's a great example of magnesium absorption through the skin in a hot Epsom salt bath. So they want to say, well, Ebola can only be contracted if, if it's through a broken... No, that's a lie, too. I, I don't believe that for a second. So... Um, I have no problem, though, using hand sanitizer on a pair of gloves. Okay? Because the gloves are obviously blocking hand sanitizer. In other words, if this gets, or when this gets really, really bad or whatever, and you go out in public and you have these gloves on, these surgical gloves, you can use, let's say you go in, let's say you do some shopping, you've touched some surfaces, you can have the hand sanitizer with you, make sure you don't touch your face. And, and again, you could say, well, if it's airborne, what does it matter? Well, okay. Obviously, if it was totally 100% gonzo airborne at this point, we would have tons of people already, we would be overflowed already in the United States. Okay, so let's, I want to have balance here. Yes, I do think it's airborne. Hey, listen, you you have an Ebola patient and they, they sneeze, they're aerosolizing the virus. Okay, so... A practical thing to do is this. Surgical gloves and sanitizer. Not to say you couldn't use the shield blend either. Okay? Um, So those are some options for you. And you're literally sanitizing the surgical gloves. And then when you're done going out, you take the surgical gloves off and you treat them almost like biohazard at that point. Even though they're, they're probably, if you've been putting all the stuff on there, they're probably perfectly fine. You would want to get rid of them. You don't want to reuse them. Um, and that's why it's important to have a good supply of surgical gloves. That's another thing. And I'm, I'm sorry to say, but you might have a really tough time getting them now. I, I think that if you don't, you're not going to have much more of a... As more people find out about preventative things you can do... Your window closes, okay? And again, do as the Lord leads. I'm just telling you, I'm trying to give you all sides of this, what you could think about. So, uh, prior to such an outbreak and the needed use of gloves, the proper use of Hybaclens, Chlorhexidine, Gluconate as a skin lotion could provide prophylactic protection against infection as it continues to invisibly kill enveloped viruses for hours after application. This might be something else you might want to think about getting, if you can find it. Okay? Chlorhexidine gluconate. 
the all the verbiage is in here on how to spell that. Okay? <laughs> and if nothing else, these things that I'm mentioning, even if, let's say you've never used any of them, the potential for barter in the coming days of these types of staple items that really don't cost a lot of money, talk about something that might go up a hundred times in price. Now, I'm not saying you should go out there and price gouge. I'm saying from a bartering standpoint, what you might be able to use to barter with. From that standpoint alone, this is a no-brainer. No-brainer. And, and again, it's nothing here, and I'm telling you, is going to break the bank. This chlorhexidine glucan is not that expensive. Okay? So, um... We believe that the Hybaclens, which is this chlorhexidine gluconate, offers a huge advantage. It, it doesn't always come as Hybaclens, what I've seen. You can, uh, that's one of the brand names for it. Uh, they, it offers a huge advantage to those who know of its existence, meaning you can put this stuff on your hands and it's killing enveloped viruses hours after application. Okay? It's killing it because it's on your hands. Now, what it's doing to you, I don't really know. I'm talking about, okay, we're talking about some worst case scenario stuff here. Um, it's used in the hospitals a ton. And so, anyway, we believe that it offers a huge advantage to those who know of its existence use it properly and have it on hand before it becomes unavailable. We believe Amazon is the most effective source for the Hybaclens. In that regard, a key item to note is that once things become public, they will, in very little time, react in either gathering supplies or reuniting loved ones before travel restrictions are imposed. Things key to have on hand at that point are disposable medical gloves and hand sanitizers to keep the gloves clean. Again, that's a couple things to have on hand. Yeah, big, definitely something you want to think about. Now, remember, too, if you can get your hands on gloves, remember, uh, if you have different family members, it's not like one size fits all. You might want to bear that in mind if you still have the option of ordering any type of gloves with sizing. Okay? Like me, I got, like, extra large hands. Taylor doesn't have you know, the same size hands as me. So, again, just something to think about there. Because if you have to actually use these things, like, let's say you gotta go out and, and, and you got some glove on, it doesn't even fit, it's gonna be kind of much, much harder to get whatever job done you're trying to get done. One thing to think about. Uh, and they do come in different sizes, most of them. So, let's go further here. Uh, one should expect protective, disposable exam gloves to become unavailable. Currently, such gloves are readily available at Sam's Club at half the price available elsewhere. Now, I'm not advising Amazon or Sam's Club. They're both evil. Okay, I could do exposés on Amazon and Sam's Club. I'm just saying that's what they're saying. Okay, so And again, I understand it's about impossible to go out and shop anymore without shopping at some wicked evil outlet that has some massive agenda, Walmart being at the top of the list. I mean, Satan Mart, I'm sorry. I wasn't giving them enough credit. So, anyway, let's go further now. That was my little health corner for this week about that. Um, next report. BP agent, Border Patrol agent, FEMA is preparing for 2 million deaths. 
A retired Border Patrol agent has made some startling claims as to what we are not being told about the recent surge in illegal aliens over the southern border and its consequences. Now remember, this is all playing out together with the Ebola to have one big desired outcome of death, H-E-L-L, and suffering is what this is all boiling down to here. The agent whose name is Zach Taylor, spent many years as a supervisor working along the U.S.-Mexico border in Texas and as a U.S. Border Patrol section chief in Tucson, Arizona. As someone who has spoken to Mr. Taylor several times, this columnist that's writing this report knows this man to be honest, reasoned, and well-informed. He really comes across as that type of person as well. You'll, You'll hear him in a minute here. He keeps in regular contact with those currently working on the border and has proven to be a valuable source of information time and time again. Furthermore, Mr. Taylor, as I have always addressed him, has spent most of his life in service to this country and never makes a statement before giving it great thought. Uh, That is what makes this revelation so frightening. Now I'm going to go ahead and play this whole interview. I think it's like, uh, what are we looking at here? 14 minutes? My name is Zach Taylor. I'm a retired Border Patrol officer. My main job was understanding and having intelligence capabilities about drug smuggling across the U.S. border and human smuggling across the U.S. border to bring contraband and people into the United States. That's what I did for 26 years. National security is a component of the immigration laws and the reason that immigration officers exist. Because the immigration laws are designed to primarily do just two things. Protect national security and public safety. The component of national security is the economy and American jobs. Because the foundation of American society, which is the family unit, depends on jobs and the economy for their livelihood. On the other side is the public safety, which includes public health. And that is so the people will be secure in their persons and their property from outside source threats. In other words, people coming in to take over America by force or by subterfuge. Right now, Department of Homeland Security is in charge of, through Customs and Border Protection, the apprehension and collection of the illegal aliens. This... Center for Disease Control and Prevention is in charge of the screening with the U.S. Public Health Service. I've never seen the CDC or U.S. Public Health Service work together with the Border Patrol at the border, ever. The agents are telling us that they're seeing some people that are obviously sick, uh, with shivering-type illnesses, uh, with possibly uh, uh, dehydrating illnesses like diarrhea and vomiting. Those people are disappearing. We don't know what they have, where they're going, where they're taking them. Surely they're being quarantined somewhere. We just don't know where. And even the agents don't know what the uh, diagnosis is of these illnesses. And that could be Ebola. Those two symptoms, he said, would be Ebola, symptomatology. Uh, Not necessarily that, but definitely those are two of the things listed. Tie that in with the fact that these people can come through almost anywhere in the world and are funneling into Mexico. And we already know there's epidemic uh, levels of certain diseases in Mexico and Central America. We don't know if these people are 
showing these diseases, if they're even being screened for them. The real troubling part of this is we know that in West Africa right now, there's an Ebola outbreak that does not meet the parameters of communicable diseases. Normally, Ebola virus starts in the jungle and moves into an indigenous population in the jungle and then from there into a larger population area. What they're experiencing in West Africa in three countries right now is an Ebola outbreak in three separate cities at the same time. This is very unusual. It is almost as if the virus was planted in those three cities to infect that population. In other words, the, the virus is working in the reverse of what it has historically. Before it moved from the jungle into the populated area, now it's starting in the most populated areas in those cities and working through the population. So that in and of itself is incredibly suspicious, and we are going to be talking more about that potential aspect throughout the study. If we had a control event, I'll give you an example. Border Patrol has a drug smuggling operation, and they've been surveilling it. And after the car loads up and takes off, we stop the car. And the person driving the car hands us a diplomatic passport, saying they're a diplomatic uh, alien inside the United States. We stop right there. We call the Department of State. The Department of State takes it from there. The person is not prosecuted. Yes, we may or may not seize the vehicle and the drugs. The United States public never knows that happened. That's a controlled event. In this situation, where you have hundreds of thousands, literally, of people coming across the border, and you're only catching a small fraction, if you're not telling the public that 80 to 90% of what's coming across the border is not being apprehended, and you're putting their focus on this 10% that is being apprehended, only showing them the 1% that are 6, 8, 10 years old, and appeal to the compassion of the American people. Notice he said the 1% that were sick. I mean, they act like they're all little little kids and being pushed along in pink strollers or whatever, coming across, when so many of them are actually gang members and <laughs> adults or, or teenagers that are essentially like adults. And not show them, the people with these serious communicable diseases... The fact that they are known gang members, they have the gang tats all over them, because they do not have a conviction in the United States, they're turned loose free in the United States. We don't know when CDC takes custody of one of these people from Homeland Security and whisks them off somewhere, we don't know where, what disease they have been diagnosed with. We know it's communicable. We assume it's serious, but that is being kept away not only from the agents in Department of Homeland Security, it is part of the controlled event where America doesn't realize how serious the threat is, and they're only being shown the compassionate side of the situation. That 1% to 2% of those 160,000 that appeal to the compassionate side of the people of the United States. What the people don't realize 
that it is putting their own children at risk. Because these children are going to be put in schools with their children. This administration and past administrations have not lived up to enforcing the rule of law with regards to national security and immigration laws. The reason we're having the press of the Central American miners is because this particular administration has invited them to come here. The problem, as I see it, and as apparently because Center for Disease Control, Health and Human Services, and Department of Homeland Security are trying to make this a control situation, they're anticipating a large national crisis. When you see that FEMA is preparing for 200 million deaths in the United States, that tells you something. When you see that the government is controlling the supply of ammunition and that basic medical supplies are in short supply in southern Arizona, something's wrong. 200 million deaths they're preparing for. One guy that just died in Texas has the whole country in a panic. Can you imagine if it got to even a thousand? What it would be like? That was spread out, especially? Two hundred million deaths? I mean, this is what they're preparing for. They are anticipating something drastic. If they had enforced the law if they didn't force the immigration law, and if they had expeditiously removed these people that came here, this group of minors, they would have dealt with this situation. The way they are reacting to it is facilitating and inviting more of the same. So what they're doing is making a bad situation much worse. The real reason these people are probably coming here from an intelligence point of view is to mask or draw attention away from something else that is happening. Since the United States government is encouraging this, it is something that the United States government wants to happen. They have significant CIA, FBI, Department of State, Homeland Security, uh, Army, Navy, Marines, Coast Guard, you name it, in Central America right now, have been there a long time. They know what's going on. We're not doing anything to stop the obvious threat. Two years ago, I became acquainted with a person that lives in Mexico City. I have complete, total confidence in this person as an informant. Uh, he's beyond reproach. And he told me, when I asked him, I was concerned about two things. And that was the trafficking of human organs in Mexico, and the extreme violence, the uh, beheadings and dismemberments that were going on in Mexico. Now, understand this person is pretty much as a, an unbiased observer that has almost unlimited access to all levels of both government and society in Mexico. Without hesitation, he told me that the most influential uh, criminal organization in Mexico City that, at that time was the Russian Mafia. And through other sources, I knew that they were a very important component in Ecuador and in the tri-border area in South America. So 
when you start to think about the dynamics of what's going on in Mexico, think transnational criminal. Think of people beyond Mexico. Think beyond Central America. And think of criminals, period. The reason they come to the United States is because this is where the money is. The agent is much more afraid of his own government than he is of the transnational smuggler. Because they're not only messing with the agent's pay right now, they're telling him to... When he says agent, he means border patrol agent. Run away from an assault. You know, if somebody wants to fight, leave them alone. Don't shoot at anybody. They just told the local border patrol here that they're not going to get any ammunition for their rifles until 2015. What's that about? I remember, I've talked about this a lot, how they're being, how Obama had them stand down, especially when they were really pouring across, with, when this first came out, you know, some months ago. We, we talked about that. Being put on administrative leave, being told to stand down, don't defend yourself, don't, you know, don't engage. Okay, well, basically you're just saying, okay, we'll let them across and let them do whatever they want to do. They're not going to have any practice ammo for their car fours until 2015. Well, that's over a year away. FY 2015 starts in October 2015. So what is it that the Border Patrol agents aren't going to get? Where historically, Department of Homeland Security used to buy ammunition for the Border Patrol by the boxcar load. You're saying the Border Patrol agents in Tucson sector have to ration their ammunition for the next 14, 15 months? They can't use it. They're doing zero accountability. In other words, they can't shoot any of it, and it's being accounted for round for round. The rules are you have to practice, you have to qualify, demonstrate proficiency at a minimum level with each firearm that you're authorized to use. Handgun, shotgun, rifle. When the agent is one not allowed to maintain his basic proficiency with the firearms that he uses and train with them on a quarterly basis, he is less proficient. If he is less proficient and doesn't have access to ammunition, he's less likely to take that firearm into the field and have it available should he need it. That raises the risk level to the individual agent because the purpose of having the superior fire force is to deter someone from attacking you. The whole idea of asymmetrical warfare is to defeat your enemy from within. It is not to attack him from without. Of course the threat comes from without, but they have to be inside of the United States to affect a successful warfare strategy. If asymmetrical warfare is going to be successful, the first thing that has to be done is to compromise America's defenses against invasion. Because they have to have their personnel inside the United States. So in other words, Obama and his higher-ups and the people below him are literally at war with us, with anything righteous or good, any kind of righteous law enforcement that, that is trying to do a good thing like the Border Patrol agent should be trying to do. But they're being totally hampered. They, 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 they can't do their job, even remotely. They're not supposed to fire around? I mean, this is just beyond insanity. 
but they're at war with us. They're trying to destroy us on purpose. And this is a big part of it, this, this border issue. To affect the infrastructure, our hospitals, our schools, our electric grid, our power supplies, our water supply. Basically, what we call infrastructure. All of those things create in our infrastructure. But they have to affect the degeneration from inside the United States. The markers that we're seeing that indicate this is asymmetrical warfare is because the reaction that the United States is taking is they're taking the opportunity of inviting these illegal aliens to come here. They're concentrating them in one place in the United States, the Rio Grande Valley, and they're drawing the resources that are protecting the rest of the United States border to care for the illegal alien children, to uh, help with the overflow of the miners, to transport, to take care of the needs of these people while they're in Homeland Security custody. All this takes the resources that are protecting America at the border off of the border. So now the borders are wide open. This gives the people that are trying to get their infrastructure, their personnel, their drugs, their dirty bombs, their biological weapons, their chemical weapons into the United States without being noticed. And that would obviously include Islam, ISIS, well, whatever faction of them you want to uh, look at, ISIS being the most prevalent right now. All of this is being done by design, on purpose, for the big day when they turn all this stuff loose. Because this part of the border is open. It is not being patrolled. It is a perfect military strategy. It doesn't raise any eyebrows because we're focused on the children. But we need to focus on our children. Because this is asymmetrical warfare. Everything says it is. And the way the United States government is responding to it is concealing that fact from the American people. In other words, they're assisting in the downfall of America. And you need to understand that. That was excellent. That guy just nailed it. I mean, just, that was, that was so good, and so succinct, and, and he just covered so many aspects of the big picture of what's going on here. Essentially, our wicked, corrupt government and their higher-ups, our wicked, corrupt U.S. government and their higher-ups, planning this huge asymmetrical warfare attack against us, The enemy, you know, our, our biggest enemy from a, from a, and I don't mean from a spiritual so much, but these devils are working through these, these, these devils. Our biggest enemies are in Washington, D.C., essentially. The ones that are permitting this, the ones that are encouraging this, the ones that are enabling all of this stuff to happen. And I understand they're getting orders from their, their higher-ups. I get that, but they're the tools. They're the main. They're the main people that have their hand on the lever. So regarding prayer, that's something to keep in mind. 
And <laughs> this is all coming to a head, and most likely coming to a head sometime between now and, I don't know, the end of winter. Uh, particularly because we know Ebola has a better, and, and a lot of these things uh, have a better transmission rate in colder weather. Um, this is why, and obviously people's immune systems are much more uh, susceptible in colder environments. That's why people tend to get sick during the winter more, and not so much so during during the, the summer months. So, uh, that was excellent. Uh, that, that really summed a lot of different things up there. Now, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and uh, end part one here, and we will continue this study uh, next in part two. So, God bless you, and see you in part two. Scott Johnson's 800-plus audio teachings and PDF documents are available for free 24-7 on the Internet at contendingfortruth.com. That's C-O-N-T-E-N-D-I-N-G-4-F-O-R-Truth, T-R-U-T-H.com. In addition, we also offer a free Christian current event and health email newsletter. You can sign up at contendingfortruth.com. These email newsletters typically only generate about three to six emails per month if you subscribe to both lists. Please prayerfully help us to continue this work. For mail correspondence or to support this ministry, our mailing address is 2359 Highway 70 Southeast, box number 321, Hickory, North Carolina, 28602. Or on the internet, a PayPal donation link can be found at contendingfortruth.com. Thank you, and may the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.